Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Euro Game Day podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, and the former England winger, Trevor Sinclair, as England face a fight to stay at home. Well, that's two perceptive balls in from England from the left side. In the opening moments of the second half, now a shot from distance, Marshall's done well. Got down, got a right hand to it, and beat Mason Mount's effort away. Much better from England at the start of the second half. It's not a result that is a mortal wound of the campaign, but it's a performance that really gives everybody so much to think about. I mean, maybe naively, I didn't see that performance coming from that set of players tonight. Also with us, TalkSport's Alex Crook, who's in Scotland ahead of D-Day. The group is wide open, Alex. Certainly is. There was a real buzz about the place after that 0-0 draw at Wembley on Friday. I do think the Scots need to lower their excitement levels slightly. Sir Ali McCoy saying that, you know, this is the best Scotland team in generations. It was only a 0-0 draw. I do fear they might be setting themselves up for a failure on Tuesday. Plus, uh, we will speak to Dean Saunders as Wales go through to the knockout stages again. The full-time whistle goes. Wales are beaten in Rome, but as time ticks away elsewhere, it looks as though they will still finish second in Group A, and that would be a job well done. And after Germany's dismantling of Portugal, are the holders heading out? The hipster's choice, plucked and stuffed, and why Spain are bang in trouble. All on the Euro Game Day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Trevor Sinclair, how are you? I'm very well, Sam. How are you? Good. Can Turkey go through with zero points and a minus seven goal difference? <laughs> probably, probably not. I just wondered. I just wondered. No. <laughs> I don't think. Enough, did they? I don't think they're dark horses anymore. No, they've been put down. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh well. Um, look, how, did you have a good weekend? Lovely weekend uh, down in London. Did the game between uh, Germany and Portugal. Uh, I thought Germany were outstanding. Portugal midfield, absolutely appalling. Couldn't compete, but very, very impressed with the way that the German side had bounced back and uh, looked very, very good going forward. Defensively looked strong and controlled in midfield with Tony Cruz and Gundogan. So very impressed with their performance. And then I had a nice... Father's Day um, day in, on Sunday oh, in London. It was very that's, nice. That's lovely. Uh, I was reading uh, the Süddeutsch Zutang on Saturday morning. Sounds and, familiar. Yeah, of course you were. It was the, uh, <laughs> it's the South German paper, which comes out in Bavaria, right? And they, there's a huge article on uh, Tony Kroos 
and how he um, basically is the new Schweinsteiger and he's well past his best. He hasn't announced that he's retiring at the end of this tournament, but he should. And maybe he's gone on too long, a bit like Yogi Love. They've gone on too long. They should be replaced. You know, it's it, it's ridiculous uh, that he's he's still there and, and maybe they should have edged him out earlier. And then he produced a performance like that. <laughs> he was worldy. I thought it, it was fantastic. He was, he was worldy. And, and actually, great the, story. The, 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 yeah, I mean, the, the man of the match was actually Robin Gossens, yeah. who was uh, outstanding. Scored a goal, which was disallowed. Got an assist, got a goal. He was just brilliant, especially when the game had a little bit of jeopardy. They went 1-0 down the Germans to a brilliant goal by Ronaldo. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, on the counter attack, he won the header in his own six. Yeah, he won the header in his own six yard box, and then just got his head down, sprinted. Great bit of play from Bernardo, over um, the, the, the great ball over to Jota, who just put it on a plate really. But he put the work in. It was a great goal, bit of jeopardy, and Gosson was outstanding for Germany. Okay, we'll and, look ahead um, in just a second. Czech Republic against England, obviously our main focus, but Scotland, Croatia, uh, in depth preview with Chris Wellamo and Alex Crook coming up. Two, um, Crook, everything all right up there? You, uh, you know, you're settling in okay. Everyone being friendly to you. You're still, you're still the mayor of Glasgow, are you? <laughs> well, Friday night was good. Um, we watched the game with the former Rangers duo Craig Moore and Kevin Muscat. They were great company. Uh, did end up with the three of us uh, walking around Glasgow trying to find a bar, oh um, which didn't happen everywhere was shut um but last night was interesting sunday night was interesting um i was broadcasting the boot room uh, with the two darrens back in the studio and we've reserved the snug area of the bar where we're staying at the radisson blue uh, right next to glasgow central yeah. station and it's all worked really well um we turn up set up our equipment and then i spot a laptop and half a pint over in the corner of the snug area and i said to jason is that Anything to do with us? Uh, jason is your producer, producer. Oh, okay. yeah producer jason and uh it wasn't, and uh, a very long-haired um, fellow came back, and it looked like before we were there, he was listening to his television program, his German TV program, through his headphones, and decided, having spotted us and spotted that we were about to do a live radio show, he would disperse with the headphones and turn it up full blast. Oh. Um, Jim White arrived a few minutes later and said, you need me to sort this? I said, well, we're not on air today. I'm sure he'll, he'll go by then. And then he, the uh, aforementioned long-haired German, turned around to us and said, you're being too loud. Can you shut up, please? Um, which didn't go down particularly well. And we said, look, we've reserved this area uh, for a broadcast for a national radio station. And let's just say the German found a bit of French at that stage. Um, so it was almost an international incident. In the end, the bar manager had to forcibly remove him from the area. So, uh, you know, love and peace wow. at this European Championships. Wow, that's uh, that's that, that's worrying. I can't believe the Germans getting irate already. I mean, they've done very well so far. I mean, they've got three points on the board. Okay, uh, off for a round of golf with Chris Iwellemo soon. But first, England still have work to do if they want to win the group and take on a team with an informed striker who is hot chic. No messing. And the full-time whistle goes. It's a big, big point for Scotland. It's a night of immense frustration for England. We didn't find the solutions to attack right, for whatever reason that was. We didn't create enough. No expectation in 2018. Southgate sailed through. Right? He now has expectation. He will be the difference between whether England are ultimately successful in this tournament and not. If Harry Kane don't hit it off at this tournament and Harry doesn't score, England's fortunes are gone in the main in regard to, to going all the way, definitely mm. in the competition. We're talking about a striker who's done it year in, year out for the last four or five years. 
if Harry Kane is not scoring goals, it's not Harry's fault. And he turns inside, he slips it in, it's Sterling! And England are off and running! I think you have to get back to reality because you're in the second game of a group phase, which England will qualify from. They're a good side, they've got um, a good unit, they defend well as a team, but we just need to focus on ourselves. England will go through if they draw or if Scotland do not win and will finish top if they beat Czech Republic. They will only finish third if they lose and Scotland win by enough goals to overtake them on goal difference. Scotland must win to finish third and can still just about overtake England for a second place on goal difference. Czech Republic will go through. They'll be group winners if they avoid defeat against England. They'll finish second if they lose and Scotland beat Croatia. So in short... England are through, basically. Pretty much England are through. And a lot has to happen to stop England and Czech Republic actually from going through as the top two. On that basis, is there any legitimate reason why Gareth Southgate could make changes in this game, Trevor Sinclair? I think he could make changes anyway because of the lack of goal-scoring opportunities that we're creating. Um, I think defensively, we have looked pretty strong and, and, and quite um, firm. Like we're, we're not going to concede an awful lot of chances, never mind goals. Um, but going forward, I think it's been a big problem. Um, the dynamic's not been right. The, 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 the chemistry's not been right. And for whatever reason, the players that have played in them forward areas have not produced enough goal-scoring opportunities. I mentioned it during the first game um, against Croatia. I mentioned it in the second game against Scotland. I just don't feel... Harry Kane looks himself. I know Gareth's come out and said he's going to start the game, which is great that he's he's showing faith in his in his main man. But for me, he's not looked like he's his usual self and what we've seen him do time and time again, not just for England, but also for Tottenham. So I feel he's, he's got to get that right. Um, but all in all, I feel this is going to be a very difficult game. You know, I've always thought um, that the Czech Republic are producing good players now because I'm a West Ham man and the, man, the men that have come in at West Ham, Sue Fallon, Sue Czech have been outstanding. You start to look a little bit deeper into the squad and, and Sheik's goals against Scotland and these performances have been outstanding. And all in all, it looks a really strong, physical, um, technical, well-organised team. And that's why they find themselves top of the uh, of Group D. Uh, Crook has been doing uh, the Czech Republic over the last couple of weeks and uh, I know you've been sort of talking to their camp. I, I was lucky enough last night to spend a bit of time talking to uh, one of the, the, the Czech Republic journalists who came over from, the, um, from Prague to, to follow the team. Uh, and first of all, he, Crook, you'll back me up on this, it's, it's so Czech, isn't it? And so foul. Is that right? We have to get that right, apparently. Yes, indeed. Um, and lots and of the names actually translate to different words, like <laughs> Yaroslav Shilhavi, who is the uh, the manager, uh, tra- translate to Yaroslav Boss-Eyed. <laughs> I think they call him the, uh, the assistant um, in the Czech Republic because he's been uh, the perennial number two. But I'll tell you what, I've been really impressed with the Czech Republic, um, particularly in the first game against Scotland when they were playing the home crowd, although the pocket of Czech fans that have made their way to Glasgow certainly created plenty of noise, especially against Croatia in the last game. But those two that you mentioned, um, so foul and so Czech, two really important players um, a lot of their supply comes down the right-hand side. Sofal and Mazapus, the best friends from their time together at Slavia Prague. They've got a really good understanding. So it's a, a big decision for Gareth Southgate 
as to what he does on the left-hand side of mm. defence, I would probably err towards Kieran Trippier coming back into that role. But also, as you say, Patrick Schick is a good target man, clearly has an eye for the spectacular. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the dynamic in midfield is interesting because in the first game against Scotland, they played Crowell and Socek, which meant that Socek sat deeper. Crowell was the player bombing on. Mm. They changed that. Uh, Tomasz Holesz came in for the second game against Croatia and that enabled uh, Socek to play in a more advanced role, attack balls into the box, try and get his head on the end of crosses, which is what West Ham fans have been accustomed to over the course of the last 12 months or so. So it will be interesting to see how they attack this game. But they've got a wonderful spirit. They've got um, five players who are current Slavia Prague players. Of course, they beat Leicester and Rangers in the Europa League. They've got the two West Ham boys who are former Slavia Prague players. And I think it's similar to Scotland in some ways. The coach has been able to really develop a club mentality. So I don't think this is going to be the walkover for England that maybe when the draw was made, people expected. Yeah, they had quite a big camp prior to the start of the tournament as well. And they had an opportunity to really get together. Um, and you mentioned it, Borgil, Mazapust, Yantko, uh, Socek, Sofal, Holosh, all connected to Slavia Prague. And that really has helped them build on that spirit that Slavia have shown over the last couple of years. Um, that they, they lost a goalkeeper just before the, the tournament, so Vastik is playing. Now, actually, I thought if you watched him over the course of the last couple of matches, his kicking isn't great and he's not brilliant at dealing with the ball with his feet. So if England, which they're very good at at times, can really pressurise him, I think they can get some joy there, Trevor. Yeah, they can. Um, But you know what it's like if if it's hot, if there's going to be another heat wave and it's going to be a hot day, it's difficult to press for the whole game. So it's just managing the game, managing different periods of the game well. When you feel you can get on the front foot and, and set traps to then go and press, I feel England will do that, but they obviously can't do that for the full 90 minutes. Um, and at times, they're going to have to have a deep block and, a, and, and maybe a mid block at times. So that's how they manage the game. I think Gareth can have a, a big input from the side, from the technical area, to help the boys manage that at different periods of the game. Uh, but it's going to be, listen, it's going to be a tough game. The, the goal that they scored, the, the opening goal they scored against Scotland, it was uh, so foul with the overlap. You have to hurt yourself physically to affect the final third and be prepared to make them runs time and time again because every you're not guaranteed to get the ball, but you see them making good decisions. Obviously, the second goal against Scotland was an absolute worldie, um, which you, you couldn't have anticipated, but it was a fantastically executed goal. And, and Sheik's obviously got a real threat going forward. But again, like I say, you know, you've got that chemistry because so many of the players have played together before. Um, they'll want to, they'll be like brothers. They'll want to run through brick walls for each other. And they'll want to prove that they're as good as Sofal and Solchek, who've done so well at West Ham. Because in a way, it's, it's you know, they're in the window, the shop window. If they do well in that side, there's obviously people, scouts, managers watching these players. And if they do well, they'll think, well, why not? These two have made that trip over to England and the Premier League and done very well. Why wouldn't these? So, yeah, big opportunity for the Czech Republic and I expect it to uh, to, to put up a really good game against England and I'm really looking forward to it. I think it might end up being a draw. Um, England beat them 5-0 at Wembley the last time they met in London. Uh, but um, if you speak to the guys at the Czech Republic, they will tell you that they weren't ready, they weren't up for the fight, they weren't prepared properly. And, and since then, it's been almost a turning point. They've changed the style. Um, they looked, I think it was Mazapust or maybe it was uh, Darida who said uh, that they used that as a mirror, which reflected 
how they were performing, what they were doing wrong back on themselves. As a result of that, they had a massive wake-up call. Since then, they've beaten England in Prague. Um, they've played very well against Brazil and they've drawn with Belgium as well. They also qualified for the Nations League A. They got promoted from B to A over the course of that period. So it's a team that's certainly on the up. And I think we've sort of seen that wave being ridden during the course of the tournament. But England have got to affect that. And England will look through their squad and, and think they've got better players than, than most of the Czech Republic man for man. But what they've got to do is develop a system that gets the best out of their best players. And I think an injection in midfield is really key here. Yeah, and I think we spoke last week and you belittled me and, and rightly so with hindsight saying that the best thing that can happen to England is finishing second in the group. I don't subscribe to that anymore because I was you, speaking to... You haven't to, changed your mind again, have you? <laughs> well, I, I was don't speak, believe that this has happened. <laughs> I was speaking to one of the Croatian analysts and this is really interesting. Um, so Croatia originally were going to stay in Scotland. They had their camp booked, um, I think at St Andrews. And UEFA blocked them from doing that. They said, we'd rather you didn't because if one of your party tests positive for COVID, then the whole squad has to isolate for 10 days. That's going to look really embarrassing on us. They played the Czech Republic, flew back to Croatia immediately after that game and will be flying back into Scotland uh, for this final group match. I mean, that kind of travelling, Trevor, is going to take it out um, on players. And I'm guessing if UEFA are saying to Croatia, you can't stay in Scotland, then it would be exactly the same for England if they ended up in Rome or, you know, in the in the last eight in St. Petersburg. No, it's, it's to do with the Scottish rules, the quite um, prescriptive Scottish rules regarding COVID close contacts. So, for example, when uh, I think it was John Fleck tested positive for COVID when they were in, was it in Spain, because of the way that the Spanish uh, did deal with close contacts or decide what is and what isn't a close contact it didn't mean the whole squad had to go into isolation if that had happened in Scotland the whole squad would have had to go into isolation there would have been serious serious trouble it's one of the reasons why they actually went away so I think that because the rules in Scotland are so prescriptive that's why not only Croatia but the Czech Republic have both moved out of yep. that area in fact Scotland themselves have moved out of that area Scotland mm. have moved into Darlington yep. in order to ensure that they don't find themselves in that situation good old Nicola Sturgeon but Either way, I think England are better off if they can just stay where they are, stay at St George's Park, win the group and play the next knockout round in London. Yeah, so it would obviously help them because they have been at St George's Park for the first week. But I think um, Gareth changed it up now and he, he's put them in at the Spurs uh, facilities, uh, which is obviously North London. For me, I don't think it's a big deal, Crookie. I'll be honest with you. The way that the boys fly now, you know, it's not like the... They're going through the normal uh, routine where we do it as civilians going through for a holiday. It's all private. It's, it's first class travel. And I'm sure the boys will be completely looked after. And in a way, I feel the pressure at home is something that I know we have to deal with it. And I've, I've just heard a Steve McManaman interview talking about, you know, it's a skill. It's, it's an art as a, a professional player with these kind of pressures and expectations. It's an art and it's a skill to actually deal with that. But sometimes when you don't have to deal with it, and if we don't end up playing our games at Wembley, I think it might just take a little bit of pressure off the boys. So it's a difficult one. It's, you, could, you could argue both ways, but for me, yeah, I, I wouldn't think it would matter either way. Do you, do, you, do you subscribe to this view that there was a, a booing of the players' performance on Friday night after the game? Because I actually thought the reason that the, the, 
the very small England crowd compared to the very large Scotland crowd. I swear this game was supposed to be at Wembley. <laughs> I'm not sure it felt like that. But anyway, um, the, the I thought that the the fact that they were booing, they were booing the Scots celebrating a nil-nil draw. I didn't think they were booing the team. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. What, what did you I, think? I mean, I mean, they could have been booing either. Um, or both. Obviously, yeah, or both. I think that obviously the, the Scottish Do you really boo your team in the second home game of the tournament? I'm not, do you? Well, I think it was a, it was an underwhelming performance. And I think the expectations... No, I don't think it was. But I think no, the It wasn't great, come on. I it, think wasn't, the expectations, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't booey-worthy, was it? Let's be honest. Crookie, obviously. Crookie's got a kill on there. He obviously disagrees. He's a most negative man. He was so happy that England didn't win that game. You've never seen any, you've never seen another Englishman so happy. He couldn't wait to get on the text message and start having a go at Gareth Southgate, even though he's, you know, when he comes on in public, he's being very, very sort of (laughs) diplomatic about it. And then as soon as something goes wrong, he's straight on his case again. You know what he's like? He's just Mr. Negative. He he flip-flops more than the Javianas. For me, the stat of the season, the stat of the tournament so far, is that there's a North Macedonian player by the name of Alexander Trykovsky. He's had as many shots on target in this tournament as England, Trev, despite the fact that he was taken off in his first game and started on the bench in his second. That is quite a damning statistic, isn't it? That is a damning... And like, like I said earlier, I think the, the chemistry, uh, the player selection from Gareth, the formation... It's just not quite happened for England going forward. You know, we've, we've maybe had like moments in games or little periods in games where you feel it's almost there and we, we, we're creating a couple of opportunities. But as soon as we, we get into that position, we kind of l- lose that kind of momentum and it's just not happened going forward. And it's got to be fun. It's got to be, it's got to be, you know, there's got to be a bit of jeopardy. There's got to be a bit of risk involved if you want to create. You can't be too safe and play and play and play and recycle the ball. Someone's got to take the game by the scruff of the neck and be prepared to lose the ball and then work out to try and win it back. That's what we were expected to do in my time. I know the game's evolved and it's become a much more passing game and and possession-based game, but still in that final third, if if there's no jeopardy and if there's no risks taken, where are you going to get? Where are you going to create opportunities? I mean, first of all, let's point out that North Macedonia have played two games against Ukraine and Austria, uh, not the two uh, big heavyweights of European football. England have played the World Cup finalists and their near neighbours, Scotland, in an intense derby on a Friday night Give it to in a storm. But don't worry, <laughs> don't let the facts get in the way of a very good story that you nicked off Richard Jolly from Twitter. Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk a little bit about Harry Kane. <laughs> And yeah. um, the fact that it's um, he, he has had a few issues. A lot of people making a hay about him coming off the pitch. Now, there is a bit of method behind this. Steve Holland and Gareth Southgate spent a lot of time over the last couple of years studying uh, Portugal, who won the European Championship in 2016, and then France in 2018, and how they navigated their way through the tournament. One of the key things they realised was that key players were withdrawn during the course of the tournament to preserve their freshness. And Griezmann was highlighted to me as an example of this, how he never played 90 minutes for France in that World Cup winning campaign until they got to the semi-final. So I think you'll find that the Harry Kane being substituted thing is continually something that we see if in, the deeper that England go into the tournament. And if they do get to a semi-final, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, by the way, uh, then they um, then, then you may well then start playing 90 minutes. But I know that, that has been something that they have looked at, studied, 
unemployed themselves. So that will give you the reason why Kane's being replaced. I think that's sensible because one of the criticisms that I would have with Harry Kane is that he can be quite selfish at times in that he wants to play every minute for Mm. club and country. And actually sometimes by doing that, he's doing his teammates a bit of a disservice because he isn't someone who necessarily looks naturally match sharp for the entire 90 minutes. Having said that, I do feel a bit sorry for him for the criticism that he's had for dropping deep into midfield because he's been doing that to good effect for Tottenham over the course of the domestic season. And Trevor will tell you he'd have played with strikers. The reason strikers do that is because they're not getting any service in and around the penalty area. So they try and drop deep to affect the game. So, so I, you know, I think it's unfair to criticise Harry Kane for that. And to say his, his form has deserted him, he's not missing chances. I mean, that stat that I nicked off Richard Jolly tells us that England aren't creating opportunities for Harry Kane. So I'd be more worried if he was missing chances. If they can find their rhythm in midfield and start creating opportunities, Harry Kane will put them away. We know that. Yeah. I have to disagree, Crookie. Um, two, on, one, on the first um, point you made, I agree, actually, because I think the Champions League final that Tottenham got to, he wasn't 100% fit, but he played and he was very ineffective. And also the League Cup final, he'd, he'd come back from an injury. He wasn't fit, but he played and he, he didn't get involved in the game. Where I disagree is, I think it's always a good sign when, when strikers are getting chances. And I don't know why he's not getting chances. People are saying, oh, the, the ball's not coming in or his timing's wrong. Or, I, I, it just looks a yard off it to me. And I'd be, I'm more concerned that he's not getting opportunities than the fact that he, I would be worried if he was getting opportunities and missing them. Listen, something's not right. But the fact of the matter is, when you do come deep, it is because you're not getting the ball. But you need runners in behind. Mm. You need runners beyond and that as a third issue. man running. And that's that's not been happening. And also, just one final point about the substitution, when Rashford did come on, I think when you've got a player like Rashford, who's got ridiculous amounts of pace, what you want him doing is not coming deep and, 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 and trying to look for the ball. You need him... St- on, on the on the back man, the back defender, looking for that little ball over the top so you've got that threat. And what that does is it forces the opposition, the Scottish team, to be a bit deeper because they're fearful of his pace. And as soon as Rashford came on, he came deep and he was sat in the middle of the park. And it, it, the substitution didn't help us, in my opinion. I, I, but I think, and this, you know, I, I don't shoot me. I'm just telling you what I think. I think he was quite happy, Gareth Southgate, to draw the game. Yeah. I think, I think he was happy to draw the game. I don't think he was going out to win it. I thought he got to the last 10 minutes and thought to himself, actually, do you know what? This is nil-nil. This is great for us. We're through. We don't have to worry about it. I know it's gonna. He's gonna get a load. Of, he's a bit of a lightning rod in, a, in effect, isn't he? In the fact that he takes on a lot of the sort of criticism. Yeah. But ultimately, let's be honest, they're through. Um, so anyway, um, then Scotland's got their night as well. Scotland had their night. They could boogie. They could wear those t-shirts that Crook went and bought. Um, and you know, it was a wonderful nil-nil draw. Um, and they did boogie, by the way. And they did and all night. You know, and, and Scott Brown, who was I was with, was absolutely furious that we couldn't get into the bar at the Hilton Hotel at Wembley <laughs> afterwards. I was I was actually secretly delighted uh, that we had to go to bed. Um, uh, anyway, Jock McCrook, as he is known by his new best mates in Glasgow, and Chris Iwellamo. How did they celebrate after that? Uh, well, of course, with a round of golf and a look ahead to a crucial encounter against Croatia. Here we are on the tee at the first at Westerwood Golf Club. Beautiful course on the outskirts of Glasgow. Chris still buzzing after England-Scotland on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely delighted. I thought to a man, team was excellent performance. 
more, created more chances in England as well. We always knew that England were going to have more of the ball, but I thought big games, best I've seen Callum McGregor, him and Gilmer in there, outstanding. Composure, defended well. Scott McTominay, you've got to remember playing out of position, that right centre-back role, right of a three. You know, to, to, I know he's played it the last probably 16 months uh, and he's played it well, he's got better, but against England, the old enemy, and to have the performance he did, you know, and again, Steve Clark, the information, it was very evident, play out from the back. Got caught out a couple of times, but you know what? If you've got to do it right, you've got to learn. You have to keep consistency and, you know what, delighted. It's all about now going into that last game and it's better for me and you, isn't it? 12,000 fans here. It's going to sound like a full house and it's going to be unbelievable. And where's your shot going off the first tee? We can see the green there just uh, in front of us. There's a tree to our left, there's a bunker. Yeah, I'm going straight over that tree, mate, and I'll just, I'll just roll onto the green. <laughs> So we've made our way now to the fourth tee. How many balls have we lost? <laughs> four, honestly, balls, four, honestly. four balls down in three holes. Um, luckily, no such problem for, for Steve Clark. A selection dilemma now. Does he pick the same team Has against be. Croatia? Has to be. You know, obviously, you know, you've already came for me time and time again about the strikers union. I thought the two of them were unbelievable, what ever so hard. So again, you've got to assess that. Uh, Billy Gilmer, Callum McGregor, ever so hard. John McGinn all over the place. A standard, what you're going to get. Uh, so again, it's down to the players. They want to be involved. What a huge game this is. And I'm saying, you know, you think about it. Croatia, not the Croatia that, that, that we all know them to be. What is it? Two wins in 11 games for them now. <sighs> the boys can go down in history. I feel sick. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. But no one's missing that game. You're, 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 you're playing with, with niggles, injuries. You want to be part of that. And, and I'm sure all the boys will be the exact same. Let's go lose some more balls. <laughs> So just to clarify though, you've just gone and stung yourself looking for a ball that was there all along. <laughs> oh yes. Hey, I've done alright, I'm picking it up, it's getting a little bit better. What about your fall? I know you're in, I know you're playing off the top of a ditch, but you don't have to follow the ball. <laughs> That's big man. <laughs> Try to style it out as well, didn't you? <laughs> So power in the Seve hole is not for everyone, is it? Yeah, you done well. You done well then, mate. You done very well. Yeah, but it's a worry, isn't it, that maybe the Scots have used up all their victories? I think the performance, the reaction after, what well, wasn't a bad performance, but a disappointing result against the Czech. Uh, I thought everything was right on Friday against England. What you've got to remember as well, that that rivalry, they used that energy in the right way because it was a it was it was near near enough perfect performance. More chances than England, even though England had a little bit more. Was it 60-40 possession with the ball? So that's that's not even bad. You'd expect more than that. But how do they get the same intensity against Croatia? Because the game's bigger. The game's bigger in my opinion. Just for the fact that Scotland have never got out of the group stages. If they beat and it has to, both teams have to have to win the game to, to get out the, the group stages. So they're gonna go for it. I've got to say, I thought we were both impressed with Croatia that, that, that second half against the Czechs at Hamden. It's the exact same, exact same game plan, no matter what. Croatia are going to have more of the ball, but if we can create the chances that we did, again, we talk about being clinical. We should have beat England with the chances that we had. So again, there's a lot of positives to take. We have to be at the same levels to get anything. And if we are, then they've done everything right and hopefully the, the result will, will, come, will follow. And you've done everything right on the golf course. Well done. Job done. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>
Didn't mean that last bit. And after Chris and Alex recorded that piece on the golf course, bad news came in from Scotland that Billy Gilmore, who was the star of the show on Friday night, has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the details surrounding this are still a little bit sketchy by the time we were recording, but it does mean that it is now almost certain that he's going to miss the game with Croatia and has been advised to go into a period of 10-day self-isolation. What that means for close contact and other people within the squad, we're still unsure, but it does look as if Billy Gilmore, who was dazzling against England and the darling of Scotland, the new darling of Scotland, uh, after his performance on his first start in international football, is not going to be available. And it's sad for him uh, and sad for Scotland as well because it changes uh, the nature of the way they play. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Okay, on to a Group F, the Group of Death. Portugal were beaten by Germany 4-2. Hungary held France to a draw. The final games in Group F on Wednesday night looked like this. Germany against Hungary, Portugal against France. Now, Crook, for years... Portugal, very happy to sit deep, be hard to beat, let you have the ball. They have tried to just differentiate that a little bit because they've got better players now. You know, until uh, a few weeks ago, they had João Cancelo playing at right back. I think Nelson Semedo was a bit of a problem, actually, in the game against Germany. But they don't really have that ruggedness at the back and the now. So I know that Pepe is still there, but he's 38 and he's a little bit slower. His reading of the game is still good, but ultimately quicker, faster forwards that are coming at him cause him an issue. And especially when Germany used every inch of width of the pitch, which is what England should have done against Scotland, um, Portugal really struggled. The bad news for Portugal is, is that after facing an angry Germany that were determined to prove a point, as we've already illustrated in the first section of the programme, they've got to take on the French now. And, you know, three points, I don't think, on this occasion, is going to be enough. I was going to say, if they lose this game, there's every chance that the Portugal crash out in the group stage, which I don't think any of us predicted when we did the preview podcast. I think we all said that France and Portugal will be the top two and, and, and Germany in third. I did say that Hungary could 
cause an upset and they've got their upset now yeah. um, against the French. But Portugal, they were just so open, weren't they, against Germany? Did you say it goes against everything that we've seen from them in the past few tournaments? And I do wonder now, are they going to have to be more pragmatic and just try and grind out a nil-nil draw? Because if they're that open against France, we know the quality of the French attack. They are going to have players who will hurt them. France will go through if they avoid defeat against Portugal or if the other game is drawn. They will finish first if they win or they draw and Germany don't beat Hungary. If France lose and Hungary win, second place will be decided by overall goal difference. It's wide open, this group. Where, um, where's Carol Vorderman when you need yeah, her? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, what does she do now, Carol Vorderman? Does she sell insurance? Oh, you mean Rachel Riley? Countdown's moved on. Come on. That's such a good analogy. Um, <laughs> but, um, the front pages of the Portuguese papers on Sunday were scathing. They really were. They only committed five fouls in the game, Trevor. Uh, Chumbados Monique, foul test in Munich, says Ojogo. Banho de bola. Uh, they took a ball bath, says uh, the record. I don't know what a ball bath is, but apparently it's like a <laughs> saying in... Um, Doesn't sound fun. In Portugal, no. where, where, where you sort of don't have the ball or something. I don't know. Uh, Ebola, Levente de Portugal. Stand up, Portugal. Uh, says Abola. But apparently, Fernando Santos has had a private briefing with the media, the uh, the editors of the correspondents at all of those big papers and said, look, back off us, give us a bit of space, take the pressure off us, and we'll deliver for you. Um, now, you might be wishful thinking, really, because they're taking on a France team who were held at bay by Hungary, by hook or by crook. I mean, there was a lot of luck involved in that. Um do you think they can, Trevor? They can't, no. Um, I'd put my house on it. And, you know, apart from Ronaldo, um, with balls into the box and free kicks from outside the box, you had some quality with Bernardo Silva, some quality with Jota and with Diaz. And I'd, be, I'd go as far as saying the rest of the players were very poor. Um, Jao Cancelo is a, a massive miss because, as we know, Semedo's a very young player. He couldn't affect the game. Pepe, like you said earlier, is getting older. Guerrero, who scored in the uh, game earlier, um, I thought he was poor again. And all in all, I mean, Bruno Fernandes didn't turn up. And the midfield, when you're looking at Danilo and uh, William Cavallo, they couldn't concede. Basically, they let um, Tony Cruz and Gundogan do what they want. And, and they did. And they completely annihilated him. Even when Germany went 1-0 down, it was way against the run of play. I think it was like 70% possession to Germany. And they scored on the cut. It was a great goal. And the three players that I mentioned that could take any kind of credit out of the game. Silver, the ball went out to Silver from a Ronaldo clearance in his own box. He ran with the ball, put a beautiful uh, cross ball from the right to the left. Jota controlled the ball, nice little lay. And, and Ronaldo had done all the hard graft, got back into the six-yard box and he got his simple tap in. But apart from that, there was literally no quality from this Portugal side. I was so shocked with how passive they were out of possession. Like you just mentioned there, Sam, hardly made a challenge and uh, Germany were way too strong. And if Germany are too strong, I've got no doubts that France are going to be too strong, even if they change many players. I am looking at the, uh, the the ranking of the third place teams right now. Switzerland topped that with four points, minus one goal difference. They're the only ones that have uh, played three games. After that, Portugal three, Austria three, Finland three, Spain two. Because Spain and Croatia are in there, 
And Austria only need a draw against um, Ukraine in order to for both of those two teams uh, to progress. That, th- th- there's only going to be two places up for grabs by probably the end of Monday night where you can get in with three points. And I don't necessarily think that that, Portugal, that three points is going to be enough by the time we get to the end of the week. You're going to need four points to get into the next stage of the competition. So I think they've got to get something from this game, Portugal. They must get something from this game. Otherwise, they're going to find themselves on the way out. And, and you know what? Here's a question for you. What will England and Scotland and Wales have thought watching a couple of games in this group, watching the tournament, knowing that they are going to bump into... I mean, Wales are probably going to play Finland or Russia in the quarterfinals, right? England will play probably the second team in Group of F, uh, Group F, or uh, the second, the, the winners of Group E, who are Sweden, Slovakia, Spain, or Poland. It could be any of those, by the way. I, I, I don't think any those any of the routes now are sort of as frightening as maybe as maybe we thought. I think apart from Italy we haven't really seen an outstanding team. You know, I think Belgium had all kinds of issues against Denmark. Weren't even that impressive, actually, in their first game against Russia. Russia were just very poor. Spain have underwhelmed. France haven't really hit their stride yet. Portugal battered by Germany. I guess, that you know, that performance from Germany uh, has to make us sit up and take notice. But in terms of one team that you want to avoid at this stage, it would be Italy. They've been far and away the best team in the tournament. Yeah. Um, group E, uh, all to play for in that group as well. Spain won, Poland won at the weekend. Another load of missed chances, including a penalty uh, missed by Gerard Moreno. Uh, Sweden won, Slovakia nil. Slovakia just didn't play. They just didn't turn up. They were just like, OK, you have the ball. You try and break us down. And then Sweden did. Um, Spain versus Slovakia on the final night. Sweden versus Poland on the final night. I mean... Sweden will go through if they avoid defeat against Poland. If Sweden lose and the other game is drawn, Sweden, Slovakia and Poland will be split for first place to third on results between the three teams. It's so tight in that group. Spain will go through if they beat Slovakia. If they draw, they will finish third unless Poland win. But if they draw and finish third, they will only have three points and their goal difference will be zero. So they, they'd already be behind Portugal and Switzerland. So they might not qualify either. Well, I did yeah. tell you that this would be the, the group of no goals. Um, <laughs> and it has been underwhelming in, in terms of entertainment. I think the Slovakian game plan will be very similar um, to that they adopted against Sweden. Against Spain, they'll try and make themselves difficult to beat, try and put men behind the ball. You'd like to think that Spain will have enough quality to win this game and, and could actually end up winning the group because you could see a draw between Sweden and Poland, but this isn't a, a fantastic Spanish side. And it goes back to the point you're making. Anybody who plays them in the last 16, be it England, they don't really hold too many fears. They're a team of midfielders. They've got no end product. Yeah, and Morata and, and Moreno have underlined that over the course of the uh, first two games that they've played in this tournament. They tried to pair Moreno with Morata in the game at the weekend against Poland. It still didn't work. Lewandowski's goal, by the way, absolutely sensational header, Trevor. I mean, it was a good cross into the box, but what a fantastic leap and guide of a header into the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost he's almost better uh, with his head at finishing, you know, the way that he guides it, like you just mentioned, uh, super uh, leap. And uh, he just picks his spot and he's so technical with it. His timing, his reading of the flight of the ball and uh, the keeper literally had no chance. So, 
You know, it's good, it's, good, it's good to see. But, I mean, just going back to the teams there, obviously Italy, uh, I've been impressed. Uh, they've been superb. Uh, although it was only a set-piece goal that they scored against Wales. Um, and I thought the, the Welsh side, especially when they went down to 10 men, shown great resolve and togetherness. And Yeah, we'll get to Dean Saunders in just a second on that. They did put eight changes out, though, Trevor, didn't yeah. they, Italy? Which yeah. I suppose shows their strength in depth going forward in the tournament. Yeah, but the, the, the main players were there. You know, he didn't change them because he can't afford to change that quality trio or four players that have got the experience and the quality. But just looking at the, the, the tournament, no one's really impressed massively. You know, France, like you mentioned, haven't got going. Belgium look awful at the back. Netherlands? England, pardon? You like the Netherlands? Yeah, I, I, not bad, yeah. I've been, I've been relatively impressed with the Netherlands and it's always good to see a team in Tangerine playing in the tournament. So, yeah, no, I've, uh, I think, I, I think they're, one t- well, they're one team that I, I've looked at and thought, yeah, they, they do look like they've got a good team spirit. But, you know, no one's really looked as good as Italy and, and I, I think that performance from Germany shows that when they do show their teeth, they've got good quality. I think it's a really hard group and playing here, there and everywhere doesn't really help. I think the biggest problem is the quality of their group. It will be hard for them even to qualify for the next phase. It's all about next week. It's all about next Saturday. It is now time for the Welsh Dragon to breathe some flame and fury over Euro 2020. Is this the moment they finally arrive at UEFA Euro 2020? It's played short. Morel with a cross. Oh, the header is in! Kiefer Moore with the equaliser! In the Olympic Stadium in Baku, Wales won, Switzerland won. You'll never get anything else from, from them players that you're talking about. They play for the country. Yeah, I think the pressure it really is from ourselves. We want to do well. We're going to any game wanting to win the game, so um, it's up to us to do the talking on the pitch. The Welsh know this is a great opportunity. Bale wearing the armband, clips a high ball forward to Ramsey, who brings the ball down, and Ramsey yes. scores! Well, those people who brought Gareth Bale off tonight, He's been back to Gareth Bale, world class. Bale is still going, plays it short. Yes! Shot in! And Wales have done it! Wales have won this game by two goals to nil. Extremely proud. I can't begin to tell you. To do what they've done tonight against a very good Turkish team is speaks volumes about them as a group. Obviously, we want to thank the fans at home for supporting us as well, and um, I'm sure they're going to be cheering in, uh, in their millions tonight. The full-time whistle goes. Wales are beaten in Rome, but... They will still finish second in Group A, and that would be a job well done. Dean Saunders is uh, back from Baku, just in time to see Wales um, claw their way through uh, to the next uh, stage. And do you know what? It's a brilliant achievement, isn't it? You know, because it was difficult circumstances. Italy, yes, they rested players, but ultimately, you know, Wales rested players as well because I think Robert Page thought that they were pretty much through, Dean. You know, the idea of Moore, Davis and Mepham being on yellow cards, he wanted them available uh, for a potential last 16 encounter. I mean, have you come off the ceiling yet? <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I was a bit shocked at their their team, Italy, 
when they left eight players out because I think Pagey might have been shocked as well because uh, he's probably set the team up and gone through, you know, Insignia comes in off the line, Locatelli goes deep, Kalini comes out with the ball, Jorginho comes deep and, and they rotate and they and they get you down one side of the pitch and then they switch it out the other, out the other side and they get a 2v1 on your opposite fullback. I think you would have gone through all that with them and then they made eight changes. Uh, we had say we had to make three changes. He, he had three players on yellow cards. He decided to do it. I understood why he'd done it. Uh, but we got through and the object was to get out of the group. Anything else is a bonus, I think, after that, Sam. Yeah, and it could be that you do get another bonus because Finland and Russia won't hold too much fear for you if indeed that's the way it goes, which I expect it to. Yeah, and I think what we learned from yesterday's game going into the next game is that uh, the spirit once again saved us and the determination. I think it saved us against Switzerland when we went a goal down. It was spirit and determination. I think the talent won us the game against Turkey, Ramsey and Bale, but the spirit yesterday when we went down to 10 men. And I think we also learned that the team looks completely different when Kiefer Moore doesn't play. Mm. I think Another piece in the jigsaw. Dino, I think um, obviously the things you've mentioned there, the spirit and and, and the players have, have stepped up and the togetherness, which, you know, is the mantra of the, the Welsh boys. But actually, I think Rob Page deserves a lot of credit because when he said that, you know, when he had to, when he brought on Kiefer Moore, he, need, he knew he needed to do that because if he didn't have that threat going the other way, that it was inevitable that Italy were going to score, create more chances, but obviously score more goals. And I think the fact that he's been brave in making that substitution, I think it shows how he's adapted as a manager and how he's managing that group of players so well. And not only that, when you hear a manager talking and he's, he's talking about, listen, it's about my staff, not, not me. You know, I can't take the credit. I think he's starting to really grow into that role as the manager of Wales. Yeah, I think everything he's done so far has been right. I mean, it's that the first lineup he put out, I thought he was going to play a back five, uh, but he didn't. He played a back four. Um, in the Switzerland game, they played two strikers and Mbolo caused us lots of problems, but Shakiri didn't. He, he designated Joe Allen to stop Shakiri getting the ball. Mm. The problem we had is when Shakiri started drifting out wide to try and get a kick, because he couldn't get a kick, their centre-backs were rolling straight balls through our midfield, straight into the two strikers, and they caused us all sorts of problems. Their two strikers, especially Mbolo, mm. handful. Yeah. Um, so he got he got that right, because in the end, Shakiri got taken off, and their manager changed the system a bit. That helped us. Then in the next game, he's picked the right team, and uh, he got the right tactics, because we went after Turkey, and we because we went after them, when we get in the opposition's half, we're, we're really good at keeping the ball and making chances. We're really good at it. Yesterday, we couldn't get in the other half. But like you said, Robert Page, you know, he had to make the... the well, he didn't have to make the three changes. He decided to do it. I could understand why he'd done it. Because he needs them for the last 16. Mm. So he got that decision right. The substitutions he got right, all of them. And so... You know what it's like, Trev. You, you you can't win unless you win. Yeah. When you win, you, everything you do is right. Of course right. it so is. Yeah. Yeah. Done well. 
he's done well. We're in the last 16 and that was his job description. And like you just said, I fancy us against Russia and Finland. Yeah. Denmark, I fancy us. Not so much Belgium, who we've got a good record against. But I, I think it might be, I think it might be uh, Russia we end up playing. It was interesting, actually. I saw the head-to-head between Wales and Belgium. And Wales actually dominate the head-to-head against Belgium. <laughs> you can't have played them very often recently. Um, Ampadu sending off for bringing his foot down on Bernie Deshi's ankle. It was an offence that was highlighted pre-tournament that would be punished by a red card. He's not going to be available for the next round of the competition, Dean. But would he have started anyway? Probably not. I mean, he's got Chris Mepham and Roden at the heart of the defence against Turkey. They they played really well. They they only had to mark Yilmaz. I say only. <laughs> you know, Kalahogne played as a number 10, but Switzerland played with two up, which caused them more problems. So in the last game, they've done well. Um, ben Davis would probably play left back. Morel and Joe Allen. So Morel's done really well. Joe Allen, obviously, is a key player. So he's either going to play in the middle of midfield in one of them two positions or in the middle of the defence. but Or like if you change the system and went to a three, Ampadu's in. But, um, it, you know, the, with the rules today, it looks a bit harsh getting a red card. But like you just said, they did say before the game, if you do that, it's a red card. So for me, it was the correct decision. We're expecting Gareth Bale to come up with a magic moment at some point, aren't we? Let's be honest, because he's had the penalty when he was sort of too busy sort of making sure his hair looked all right in the in the big screen and then fired it over the top into the big screen. And then that great opportunity to equalise against uh, Italy where he just didn't catch the volley right at all. It's going to come good for him, isn't it? I just got this feeling that after those two very near misses, he's going to turn up in the last 16 and win the game for Wales. Yeah, I think he won us the game against Turkey. If you if you, if you counted, if you just do clips on his passing against Turkey, he hit about eight passes mm. that Glenn would have been proud of, of various ranges. Mm. And, and Dan James is a key to this. Ramsey and Dan James. Ramsey needs Bale and Bale needs Ramsey because Ramsey makes the right runs. They're both on FM, them, them two, and Dan James mm. is slowly getting on FM with them. So they've got like an understanding. And what happened against uh, Turkey? Bale, Bale was playing on the right. Connor Roberts was bombing on. Bale come deep, got the ball, turned, looked up with the ball on his left foot. And because Dan James was hugging the line on the opposite side of the pitch, their right back, Chelly, he, because Dan frightened him in the first 15 minutes with his pace, he started to edge towards Dan because he's thinking, if this ball, if Bale hits this pass over my head, I'm in big trouble. So he started edging towards Dan James and Aaron Ramsey sees the gap and runs through it four times. He runs through the same gap. Uh, and Bale has got the talent to pick him out. And one, they connected and he scored. But I would say Bale and Ramsey between us won us the game against Turkey. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't disagree with that. And 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 what you find with good players is they see them scenarios early. You know that that situation with Dan James and the fear that he carries with his pace. And Aaron Ramsey would have seen that. And as soon as Aaron Ramsey's seen it and gone for the gone for the space, Gareth Bale's got that passing quality. You spot on there. And what happens is it'll be yin and yang. All of a sudden, the the the, the fullback will think. 
well, I can't leave that gap because he's centre half will bring him back in. And the next time Gareth gets the ball, he won't play that one down the middle. He'll play the one wide to Dan James. And then the fullbacks, he's, he's in a really bad situation. So that's what good players do. I do feel Gareth Bale's going to come good. Like you said, the, the goal that he scored where he's on the byline and he put it on a plate for his teammate. He has had good moments, but I do feel he's one of them big, big game players and when it gets to the 16 he's going to turn up we'll look forward to it and hopefully uh, we're on DAB digital radio now Dino uh, <laughs> it's a long time ago. it's going it's going it's going it's all DAB now <laughs> Dean thank you very much thanks man thanks Fred cheers mate top man quick point on Switzerland who are also in that Wales group Harris Seferovic is the only the third Swiss player to score at both a World Cup and European Championships after Jordan Shakiri and Admir Mehmedi. Uh, he's been uh, their main number nine for years, but he only ever scores goals like that, raspers from the edge of the box. He misses so many chances. In fact, both Swiss goals uh, in the early stages of that game were from outside the box. Their first goals from outside the area at any European championships. Um, should we? This is where we talk about Turkey, is it? Is this, is this the bit where we talk about Turkey? Can I just ask on that, who was the first pundit to start this Turkey the Dark Horses rumour that everybody, including Trev, latched onto? I don't know. Go on, tell us. I don't know. Where did it come from? Because they were garbage. They were rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. Absolutely. Not a major disappointment they were. Didn't look look fit. Didn't look like fit enough to be able to affect any game. Which is me. really weird because Senor Gunesh, who is the manager, is a very experienced manager who took them to the last four of the World Cup in 2002, has come back, got them some great results in, in qualifying and then in the Nations League. They experimented a little bit, but they, there were signs that there were problems over that period. They were very Jekyll and Hyde. So they sort of one minute they were very impressive, the next minute they weren't. They conceded a lot of goals and, you know, they had scored a lot of goals. But, you know, I mean, what the, how many goals did they score this tournament? One? I mean, it mm. was... It was yep. very, it was embarrassing actually the, the, the show that they put on. And let's be honest, they didn't really have the hardest of groups, did they? I mean, if you're Wales, you're thinking that's a hard group. But if you're Turkey, you're thinking, oh, we can get something yep. here. They can definitely finish in the top three, right? Didn't turn out that way. Anyway, uh, that's it from us. We're back with Kev Hatchard on Thursday as we look ahead to the last 16. Uh, how many home nations will still be involved? Uh, it's the Euro Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.